Hello, everyone. Um, I just wanted to let you know about this episode. Uh, sometimes when we're going over the episodes on Zoom, sometimes internet can be a bit of an issue. So I apologize for all the cutouts due to uh, internet issues on, on multiple people's sides. Um, unfortunately, due to us doing the podcast over Zoom, sometimes, you know, internet will affect when people speak. So apologies about that. I believe for the most part, though, most of what's said in this uh, episode could be understood there are a couple minute moments where it cuts out so we apologize about that but uh i hope you enjoy the episode hello and welcome to an unexpected podcast my name is tim and with me as always we have matt and mick and joining us on this week's episode is tomaso zerbi he is from italy um so tomaso i'll ask you um just a couple questions real quick so so how are you finding um the spg scene in italy due to covid right now so the, the funny thing is that I, I just recently moved back to Italy. So I haven't really experienced the SPG scene in Italy during the, the pandemic. But as, as one of the admins of the Italian League, of course, I've been coordinating the league and, you know, uh, checking whether or not tournaments could go ahead and these kind of things. So usually in Italy, we have uh, SBG final, which is the, uh, the concluding event of the league. And usually... September and October and last year so in 2020 we didn't have uh, this finale and that was because of course of, of COVID-19 what happens is that we decided to have a, a semi-final which is, was like a big tournament but not big enough and it, it did not conclude the league and it was in September 2020 and so that was like the last big uh, tournament in Italy we had a couple more uh, in the fall uh, but then, of course, we shut down the league and, uh, until now. So, so we are now re- uh, thinking of reopening the league um, in the forthcoming weeks. But we haven't had tournaments since the fall. And my last tournament was like the GT in the UK. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I, I know you're talking about getting together with tournaments. Are you guys, um, do you have like a group that you play with kind of? Or is that still happening? Or is it just more you were looking towards tournaments? For, for Italy in general? During the pandemic, right? Yeah, during the pandemic, kind of, because I know it's kind of restricted in some regard, but is that something you're um, you're looking to get with a group or something like that? Or is it more about the tournaments kind of a thing? Um, yes, I think everything basically shut down for so many months. But right now, I mean, you can you can uh, meet with your friends, you can, with your group of players, usually, um, usually uh, spend your time. And so, yes, I've done, uh, I've played some games, just a few. And uh, yeah, so that's what I've been doing since I moved back to Italy. But, you know, the main thing was just like painting armies. <laughs> I get, <laughs> I got so much painting done in these months, which is great, to be honest. That, that's fun. That, I mean, I imagine most of us would like to get our, as much painting as we could possibly get done, especially with restricted time to do so. Um, is there one in particular that you've done that you're, you're very happy about that you've, you know, you're like, wow, I, this is my army that I'm going to take to the next GT kind of a thing. Yes. I have it right here and I completed my Lake town army. This is just oh. part of it. That's what, I mean, I'm going to play ah. this. I mean, later on, but still, yeah, I completed my Lake town army and I'm really proud of this. And yeah, of course. And the centerpiece of your Lake town army is of course, Galadriel lady of light. as she she led the force as she led the survivors of lake town at the battle of five armies (laughs) i just i love how you know all you can see is a a, a brief uh screen like 
him showing it. And you can already tell it's very well painted just from that brief. Like, you don't even have to get that close to it or see it in person. You can just tell it's very well painted. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll get on to uh, the main topic. We'll get on to a list review from Albert Godoy Hernandez in a second. Our main topic for today is we'll be asking um, Tommaso about it, the Italian uh, nature of SBG and and all these different things about it. And then we'll have a duel with Mick and Tommaso at the end of the episode. But we'll get on to the list first. So I'll bring it over to Tommaso. Uh, it's by Albert Godoy Hernandez. So if you want to go over that, Tommaso. Um, yes, uh, I'd like to know your opinion about this murder 700 points list. I've been thinking about it for many months during this lockdown and I have almost everything ready. So um, the Witch King of Angmar, 315-2, an armored horse and with a crown, of course, uh, four black Numenorians, three Moran orcs with spear and shield, two Morgul knights, two Morgul stalkers, oh, interesting, and three orc trackers. Then we have uh, the second warband with Guritz, Master of Reserves, four Black Numenorians, four Moranon Orcs with Spear and Shield, and uh, four Orc Trackers. Then we have a, a Mortal Troll Chieftain, three Black Numenorians, and two Moranon Orcs with Spear and Shield. One Moranon Orc with Banner, Spear and Shield, two Morgul Stalkers, and three Orc Trackers. 700 points. So the idea is to go for a terror shield wall with the Black Numenorians and the strength for Moranons behind. The Witch King is a must for me. I have a weakness and I decided to include the troll for the high fight and it being a monster. The Orc Trackers are to pump up the numbers. Those are rookie numbers. And the Morgul Stalkers are to, in theory, have some cheeky flanking troops with strength four and to attacks or sneak in cover. Um, all right. Um, I really like this list, to be honest. It's, uh, yeah, I really like it. Um, so you, we, we have the Witch King of Angma, which, which of course is an amazing uh, general. Um, then Gurit's Master of Reserves, which is probably my favorite Mordor hero. Uh, and then the Troll Chieftain, which I think we don't see many Troll Chieftains, at least in Italy. Uh, I mean, it's been a few years since the, the, the Troll Chieftain was like, you know, the main thing. Uh, in the tournament scene, and I think also in the UK. I mean, in the tournaments I've um, I've played in the UK, I haven't seen many troll chieftains. I played once with a troll chieftain, and so I, th I would say it's a very it's a good list. It can do very good uh, in a tournament. Um, of course, the best part of this is that the troll chieftain is supported by the Witch King of Angmar. And so it means that even, I don't know, Dane will struggle against the Mordor Chieftain and perhaps Dane can fall. Um, and so, yeah, I like this combination here. Um, when it comes to the Block Numenorians, mm, yes, uh, they're not bad. They're not bad, but I don't like them when they face like the Haron Hills, for example. Um, so they're not like my favorite troops, but I will probably include them in a Mordor list. Um, I would say that the, the main problem here is that the Witch King costs many points. And of course, it, it, he has an amazing profile. But um, the main problem is that you either play like Meek, who I faced and he was using the Witch King of Angmar and he won against me. Uh, or perhaps you're not that good in using the Witch King of Angmar. And in that case, it could be tricky because you're spending so many points on a single hero, which can be very fragile in certain situations. So 
my main recommendation here would be to, to, to play test these lists many times before going to a tournament. Um, but otherwise, I think it's very solid and you can do pretty good with this. Um, yeah, I also like the idea of the orc trackers. Of course, against, um, against uh, bullfire, they're not like the best, especially against strength three bows. But yeah, I, I like the list overall. And other, yeah, let's see, other weaknesses. Of course, you do not want to face like um, something like the Rangers or something like um, the Hiron Hills if they have the Ballista or Isengard. Um, I mean, this kind of list can be very problematic to face because you don't have the Shadow Lord. And of course, the Troll Shift and it's very fragile when it comes to um, siege weapons. But yeah. What do you think, guys, about this list? Yeah, no, I um, I like it too. Uh, I think it's a it's a really good starting point. Um, the Witch King, as you say, Tommaso, uh, he's one of those characters where if you know what you're doing, then he can be extremely good. But if you don't like, if if you don't have uh, enough experience with him, then it's very easy to just to just randomly lose him because of the one wound. So a lot of people would recommend putting him on fell beasts. Um, which is kind of a uh, kind of a self safe option and gives you more maneuverability. So I wouldn't hate that. Although I I personally pref uh, prefer just horse or armored horse. Um, so here, um, obviously the the, the, the model troll chieftain stands out as Tommaso mentioned. So, well, I, I mean, mean he's he's bigger than everything else in the list. Yeah. <laughs> so, so of course he's going to stand out. Exactly. <laughs> it's um, well, first of all. The reason why, why you very rarely see Bono Troll Chieftains in uh, competitive games is that pr uh, uh, the primary reason is um, his massive base size. Um, at, uh, uh, since it's 60 millimeters, it's actually quite hard to position him into, into favorable places. And in this edition of the rules, they've changed um, the hurl rule in that you can't, and uh, 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 you used to be able to just pick a model up and throw him wherever you wanted to. But now you uh, you can only throw directly away. So, model trolls, especially with their big bases, it's it, it's quite tricky to position them into a place where they're able to like toss things across the line. So, yeah, those chieftains, even though they are extremely powerful when facing, say, opponents big uh, big characters or any sort of heroes and troops, it's actually quite hard to get them into those good situations. Um, so for me personally, I wouldn't be taking a, a monotrol chieftain, um, and I would be considering perhaps another ring wraith, or perhaps someone like Shilab, who is uh, only ninety points, uh, which which saves you fifty on the chieftain, and actually has far greater man uh, maneuverability, and allows you to bring more troops with it. Um, the other the other thoughts I had was. Mogul stalkers. There are there are people on this podcast who love them for some reason. Wonderful. And yes, people who, for purposes of <laughs> anonymity, we will call Tim Hines. Yeah, yeah yes. I, I don't know. About and that. Um, sure. yeah, I'm not entirely sure whether whether they should ever be taken in any capacity, like <laughs> ever. Uh, they but, get sneaky, sneak. They go up. They go chop, chop. You know. <laughs> but. Um, if you just want to try things out, then yeah, that's fine. Um, obviously, we're only coming out of the pandemic, so the first the first few weeks or months, um, I think people are going to be quite relaxed and like, I'd be happy trying out new things. 
uh, but obviously they're not they're not very good uh, those stalkers. Um, I like trackers. I always like having a, a few of them anyway, just because it's it's sometimes useful to have the extra bow and um, they they improve the numbers. Uh, although I would potentially grab some some spears and things instead. Um, yeah, that's that's I think all my thoughts. I mean, the the, the black Timonorians backed up by Moran and orcs are actually quite a classic thing that, that a lot of people do these days. So that's quite a solid front line backed up by by strength four. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll pass it to others. <laughs> so let me let me ride to the defense of some aspects of this list. Um, uh, yeah, as we've if we th this has a this has a bunch of <clears throat> tricks from the Mordor side in it, um, some of which are kind of universally beneficial, like the the Black Numenorians Terror Wall backed up by the Morenan Orcs uh, Strength. Um, he does have he does have some ability and hitting power. He's got a couple of Morgul Knights here. I think that's a decent add, and I think that's the right place to put him is in yeah, the Witch King's definitely. Warband, where they're going to benefit from the minus one uh, Terror. Um, so the Morgul Stalkers, I think, do have some benefits in this list because they have Stalk Unseen. Um, I mean, as, as Tim points out, they are useful guys to kind of run up and get the two attacks. I think you want to make sure you have a, if you're going to use, if you're going to use them in a combat capacity, I think you want to make sure you have enough um, spears to back them up as well. So you're turning the two attacks into a three attack. Uh, model. Uh, we'll talk about how to do that in a second. Uh, they, they also are, I think, useful in this list as objective grabbers, especially in scenarios where there's a bunch of shooting because, you know, they, you can send, instead of sending like, you know, two Moranans or, or you know, two Morans or Black Numenorian to grab an objective and make sure you're not going to get shot off of it, you can send one Morgul Stalker that goes over and kind of sits within three inches of an objective and hides behind a tree. And, you know, he'll be safe unless your opponent, you know, actually sends close combat troops over to deal with him. He's not going to get shot off. So uh, I think it is, I, I think a couple of Morgul, Morgul Stalkers can have a role in this list. Um, I'm not sure I'd want four. Um and so maybe we take off some points to, to do some extra stuff with um, the trackers. I think the trackers, I think are also useful in this list. I think you don't want to have no shooters in this list. They are a cheap way to kind of fluff up your numbers. Um, I'm not sure I'd want 10 in this list um, because I think 10 or 10 arc trackers probably isn't enough to, well, you could outshoot somebody who has minimal shooting and draw you, draw him to you with ten orc trackers, um, but they are they, they they do go squish once they get into combat. So I think it might be it, the other thing that you see you, you maybe could benefit, especially if you're going to use the Morgul stalkers to fight. You could benefit from a few more spears in this list. So anyway, a couple of things you could do here. One is get some points somewhere. Um, either by dropping like a Morgul stalker um, or, uh, uh, you know, maybe a arc tracker and spend those points. I think it's, pro I think it's just like uh, one point of figure um, to upgrade some of those orc trackers to 
ordinary orcs with spears. And they can be the guys who kind of run around and support the Morgul stalkers and give you a bit more of a second line. Or they can go and support other orc trackers. So if the orc trackers get into combat, at least you can throw a spear behind them and give them an extra die, um, make them live a, uh, a little longer. Um, I think I don't think you want to eliminate the orc trackers. I'd want to keep, you know, maybe at least, you know, maybe six of them. Um, just so you have some shooting ability and also some shooting ability to some ability to shoot into combat. Because uh, when you have something with a defense six up there, like a black Numenorian or, you know, a Moran and Orc, um, you can charge into, you know, it, it, if somebody gets one of these guys gets charged by an enemy hero on a horse or something like that, you take your six Orc trackers and you all shoot into combat. And, you know, if you kill the black Numenorian, uh, oh, well, that that hero is not going to uh, doing, be doing a heroic combat. And you may get lucky and shoot that hero at least off his horse. Um, and that's a use for the, the orc trackers once the lines uh, clash. Mordor told, Troll Chieftain, I guess I'm on the fence with him. You do, uh, Mick is absolutely right. You have to kind of be careful where he goes. I mean, the Mordor Troll Chieftain, because of his big base size, is someone you, you basically, you have to put him in the center of the line. You have to... Um, you have to make sure he can still back up. So no more than one guy behind him and you need to cover his flanks with the uh, Moranans um, so that he, you know, he can't get ganged up on by too many opponents, but then you put him in the center of the line. You just send him forward. And he's, he's somebody that the enemy either needs to commit a whole bunch of resources to deal with. And you need to commit a whole bunch of resources against the more, more troll chieftain. Um, or, you know, you're basically looking at, you know, losing a figure or two a turn. Um, and, you know, you, uh, you've got the banner in his war band. I think that's the right place to, to put it. He's just going to follow the Mordor Troll Chieftain around to make sure he gets that extra die. Um, uh, and I think he could work solidly. If, if you're thinking about replacing him, I think one, um, uh, you know, one, alternative to him might be oh geez now and now i'm blanking on the name who's the guy with the shield from barador or from um shagrat yeah yeah yeah. i i Mm -hmm. think shagrat with the shield might be a good replacement for him who also has a lot of hitting power also has a lot of uh uh might and only has a 40 millimeter base so he works well in the middle of um actually he's on a 25 millimeter base yeah and the martyr trolls what 140 yeah, yeah, yeah. So you get a couple extra guys. You could you yeah. could throw in, throw in the list somewhere. I would probably use those points for the Witch King because I don't like the fact he has just two faith points, and you know the will points are never enough. So probably I would spend those thirty points or something or less or less uh, on the on the Witch King because I think I, I want at least three fifteen three. So three faith points for me it's almost mandatory with the Witch King and. You can you can swap the mortal troll chieftain as you were suggesting, or also reduce the numbers. But yeah, two fate points. I mean, why just two if you can have three? I mean, um, so what I want to um, I know we've talked about the base size. It, it's kind of interesting when we when, when we talk about the troll, just because I, I know a lot of evil players always going up against these fight six heroes that are just so annoying to go up against so when you get a, a model like a troll chieftain who's fight seven base and has the ability to strike with two points of mites i know that the base size is an is an issue I, what i want to ask you guys is 
if the base size was smaller, is this more of an auto including list to you guys? Keeping in mind that it is very difficult for evil to get anywhere close to fight six or seven in most of their lists. Well, that's the thing. Like, if you if you look at someone like Birder, the troll from Imar, mm-hmm. he is fight six and he is on a smaller base, and you see him more in Angmar lists. Mm-hmm. He's just the the maneuverability is just so much better. There are, there, there are just so many less possibilities of, of him getting trapped in combats than, than there are for a Mountain Troll Chieftain. So yeah, I, and it's not just the getting trapped. It's the, it's the number of models that can be committed against it. Exactly. Yeah. So mm-hmm. a, a monster in a, on a 40 millimeter base, like a, a Cave Troll or a Birder, if you, if you sandwich him in the middle of a battle line, your opponent's only going to be able to get one mounted hero in against him. Uh, and if you commit one mounted hero against a troll, um, then there, there's a significant risk of loss, even if you heroic strike, because you could just flub the die roll. Um, once you get the 60 millimeter base, if you sandwich him in the middle of the line, your opponent can get two mounted heroes in against him. And once, if two mounted heroes come in against a uh, a monster like that, um, unless you win the heroic strike off, uh, the monster is probably going to go down um, if they're decent heroes. And that kind of is what makes all the difference between the 60 and the 40. I mean, the Mortar Troll Chieftain, as you point out, I mean, the Mortar Troll Chieftain can strike himself um, uh, so he can defend himself. And he's, he's pretty darn tough. Mm-hmm. So he can actually take a punch from two uh, mounted heroes if he needs to, which is why I think he's still a viable option as opposed to, say, an ordinary mortar troll who just will die. Um, but uh, so I think that's why he's still viable. But that that is, I think, the big risk is not only is there increased risk of getting trapped, but there's an increased risk of getting ganged up on by, you know, two powerful heroes that will kill him. Yeah, uh, if I can just add a bit to that, like if you if you have a, a base like like a cave troll has, and let's say you can only go up against two models, well, let's say one model with spear support, then the cave troll is going to be winning something like 70, 72% of fights. But I'm just writing the math that like, if if you had a mortar troll chieftain or, or just a normal mortar troll, and you and you were fighting against two guys spear supported, then, then your chances of, of winning fights without using might only uh, uh, drop to like 59%, 60%. So the fact that, you're, uh, uh, that you have a, a larger base is not only for, for your opponent's heroes, but just like for any sort of warriors that you're fighting against. It might be a situation where someone just puts two, two warriors with shields and, and they decide to shield with them. It's, it's almost a coin flip and, half, uh, and, and, and it's like, Four out of the ten fights, you're actually losing the fight, and and you end up not actually killing anything. So even though it's unlikely, I mean, I guess I would always just hope that if if, if that if we believe that that would be the change. Now I, I know, um, and I know that it's getting a little bit off topic, but I just want to break because we we don't see trolls very often, and I think it's important to talk about why we don't see trolls very often and why maybe switching the troll chieftain to something else. If, if even the regular Mordor troll had a smaller base, do you think we'd see those more often, or is it because they had, don't have so. might and will? 
we wouldn't see them. I think. Although I think, I think if you put, uh, yeah, I, I think we, I think a you would see them more, and b they look awfully silly because they look like ball, ballerinas <laughs> doing a little pirouette on their their tiny little base there. Um, yeah, and, and going to what Nick said, I, I mean, it, all right, so we're off into fantasy land here. How mm. how, how we would fix it, fantasy land. And uh, I actually wonder whether, because I mean, GW is not going to recast all their models, no matter what mm -hmm. they do, um, nor should they, I think, because you know, they, they look silly on some of these big giant trolls would look silly on small bases. Um, but I wonder if part of the solution to the problem might be to increase the number of attacks, the number of base attacks for a model so that they're, you know, it's, so it's not a tax. Yeah, it's a yeah, four yeah, attack draw. Yeah, yeah, it would be interesting. Yeah. Yes, yes, yeah. So, you, so okay, so let me ask you this: you, you, you're going through the book, you're looking for your heroes. You see a Mordor troll chieftain now has four attacks. How much more inclined are you to pick that model as a hero over, let's say, Shagra? Not at the moment, to be honest, because there are too many siege weapons, and mm -hmm. you know, against those, you do not really want to, to use uh, a, a troll chieftain for, for one hundred and four points with just one point of fate it's just too risky I, I will not use it even just with four attacks it's not enough i think something needs to change when it comes to sage weapons at that time yes i will consider using it with four attacks so yeah yeah although that's a meta-based issue which i suppose we're going to talk about in a minute um yeah i mean if, if you're in a meta where siege weapons don't show up very often then yeah I, you know definitely i think about it yeah. You would take him with Sylvadon and then and then roll five dice and win. <laughs> um, all right, uh, Albert. Basically, what, what what our general consensus is: maybe drop a couple Morgul stalkers. Not, maybe not all of them. If you want to keep to the ability to kind of flank with them, but we definitely think more spears. Um, maybe drop the troll chieftain down to either Shagrat or uh, another kind of mid tier hero upper mid-tier hero and and add those points into maybe upgrading troops or adding more troops uh i think i think we agree 40 40 at 700 is pretty decent right yeah 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 yeah, yeah it yeah. is so so we're happy with the amount of troops you have but i mean if you want to upgrade some trackers to maybe more morandans or add more spears like matt said then, then that's our suggestion let us know if you uh keep it as is or if you go with any of our suggestions and let us know how you do with it um, we're going to move into the main topic for today, which is kind of the Italian SBG meta. Um, so what I'll, what I'll ask first, uh, Tommaso, is how did you get into SBG uh, in general, or Lord of the Rings, or Hobbit, whatever came first, I suppose? Yeah, thank you for this. Um, so uh, I started like uh, playing the game with the Diagostini, you know, uh, magazines back in the day. I think I was in middle school, and... I spent like all my summers playing a lot of the rings. And then I, uh, I, I started like, you know, Googling about this. And I, uh, of course, and I knew about the uh, other communities and what was going on in Italy as well. And I started being involved with uh, the Italian league. And that was about, I, I believe, between 2009 to 2007. And uh, it centers around Sito dell'Anello, which is uh, our website and forum, and which was started in 2003. And so I started uh, at the very beginning of the game, not the first year, but in the very first years. And for so many years, I just played with my friends and it was just amazing, to be honest. And then um, around 2010, 2010, 
10, I started doing my first tournaments and I started playing in the league and competing. That's how it happened. But I still miss those kind of summers that I spent just playing Lord of the Rings and all the crazy scenarios. And uh, it was really fun, to be honest. My favorite game was like um, uh, playing, like uh, I call it like Tutti Contro Tutti, which means um, everyone, you know, all against, uh, 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 how do you say in English? You know, uh, you play with four or five different Before. people on the same table. Yes. and. And, and basically, we played like uh, it was a mix between Lord of the Rings and Risk. So we, we draw objectives and it was so fun. And it was that fun that I decided to incorporate in the Italian finale. So now in the, on the Friday night on the Italian finale, we play this tournament with four, um, four uh, players per table. It's quite different from Chaos in Arda because in Chaos in Arda, you draw cards every turn and it's, um, it's quite different. Um, but yeah, it's very funny. I think I have it here. I can actually, I don't know if I can show you, but um, let me see if I have, uh, yeah. Can I share my screen or something? I don't know. If um, I, I'm not um, sure we have. Yeah, Matt would have to give you permission. Yeah, Matt would have to and, give you that permission. And, and I think he's just dealing with his dog at the moment. Yeah, I, th I think he's- I know, no, so okay. No, that's fine. So I'm going to say I'm going to say no, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no worries. So yeah, anyway, I try to incorporate this in the the in the uh, SBG final of the Italian league. Anyway, and so then what happened? I, I competed in the Italian league for a few years. I mean, I never tried actually to win, but I I played different tournaments, and I would say I was playing competitively. And then I moved to the UK uh, in 2016. And then, of course, I quit playing in Italy, basically. But I had so much fun in the UK as well. So many good, amazing tournaments with so many people. And the best side of it is that I met people from all around the world. And it was, it's been just an amazing experience. And I convinced some of my friends from Italy, of course, to travel to the UK and experience the international community there. And, and it was amazing, to be honest, yeah. So do you kind of have, um, in, in SPGs, there like one army you prefer the most um, to take? Is, is it purely based on competitiveness or is it theme? How, how, what is that army to you? So my first tournament was like Legolas and Gimli with elves and dwarves. And my favorite armies are, are always the elves, uh, either uh, the Holes of Strandwheel or uh, Lothlorien. Um, so back in the day when the Stormcallers were a thing, um, I played Stormcallers all the time. So why, my, my go-to army was like uh, four Stormcallers, the old version of Brandwheel with uh, Nature's Wrath, and perhaps uh, Alfred and Bombur uh, all together. And Alfred, of course, back in the day could um, uh, um, provide might points to all kinds of heroes. So it was just amazing when he was first released. And so, then so really it was really you were based around theme, right? That's what I'm <laughs> hearing. <laughs> no, yes, yes, I mean, well, it is it is a themed army. It's just <laughs> everybody was in the Hobbit. Okay. Yeah. Except maybe the Stormcallers. Yeah. I remember that I remember that famous scene in the Battle of Five Armies with where the four Stormcallers show up. And Bombur. And Bombur. Yeah. Everybody comes from the same factory, okay? So <laughs> um so so what I'll ask uh, but then for, uh, then things changed. 
Yeah, what, what were you saying, sorry? That then, of course, things changed. And, you know, I, the Storm Colors lost their amazing profile, Alfred as well, everything changed. And when I don't play that competitively, uh, now I go for the whole of Franduil, which is an army uh, I'm very proud of because I recently completed the entire collection of the Holes of Randwill. And yeah, I'm, I'm very happy because I started it, of course, when the first models were released for the list. And now I have all the models and everything is painted. So, uh, and it's a very funny list. So mm. it's, it's great. Yeah. What, what, um, when, when you go to tournaments or local games before COVID, of course, um, what, what points values would you say are common? Uh, in, in your in it, maybe not all of Italy, but in at least where you live in Italy. Okay, so before I moved to, do, to the UK, I think I was used to play to 800 points in Italy. Um, we have for so many years the Italian league had fixed like points and kind of um, the organizers didn't have the chance to decide what kind of tournament they wanted to organize. They have, for example, organized tournaments of 800 points, just blue versus red, let's say, okay, for the entire year of the league. Whilst in the, the GBHL, of course, in other leagues, uh, the rules were not that strict. Um, and in recent years in Italy, uh, we... Um, we increase the amount of freedom like for uh, tournament organizers. So right now there are tournaments of all kinds of all kinds of points and blue versus blue, blue versus red. Um, so it really depends. But I will say that in Italy right now, the main, uh, the points, 100 points and 700 points. Uh, those three formats are like the ones the most common ones, yeah. Sorry, sorry. I think there was there was just a connection breakup for me. Uh, yeah. So I missed. Oh, okay. Uh, the points. So, okay, yeah. So the points are between six hundred and eight hundred points. Okay, so six to eight hundred points. And in the. Yeah. Um. Do you, in the do Italian you, league, we the the SPG. Oh, sorry. Our fi finale this year uh, is going to be like uh, 700 points. The uh, singles tournament, the doubles, it's going to be 800 points. And the tutti contro tutti, 400 points. So those are the three kind of um, standards for this year. Okay, so there's, so there, you have smaller point tournaments at like 400 points kind of a thing. Those Now, are four, now I know, um, at least when we've been doing this, most people are having higher points tournaments. Do you have... Uh, many low points tournaments or just the occasional one that's that's lower points in Italy? Uh, sorry, there was a connection problem. Oh, I, I apologize. Uh, basically, my question was, is, is lower points tournaments common in Italy or is it every once in a while? Mm, every once in a while, every once in a while, especially because right now people are quite um, uh, skeptical because, you know, in the much play guide, they say like, uh, if you play... I don't remember, but like in lower points, you sh you are um, recommended to be having four games per day. And in Italy, usually we don't like that because we want to save time, you know, for other things. Um, so tournament organizers, I think, don't like that idea that much because things get more complicated with four games per day. Well, is there is there a is there like a geographical hub in Italy of SBG gaming? Um, or, or is it kind of dispersed? Is there like a place in, in Italy where most of the SBG gaming happens? 
Um, I would say it's very well spread. I would say that, of course, at the, the main uh, area, I would say for years, it's been like the north of Italy. Uh, but right now, it's been like a few years since we... Um, we started like spreading the game uh, throughout the, the peninsula and also like in Sicily, especially, which is something we're really proud of. There's been a very active community in Sicily as well. And in Rome, of course, it's been so many years. We have like tournaments every, um, every year in Rome. And one of the admins is from Rome, of course. Um, so I would say the most, perhaps the, the two uh, regions with most tournaments usually are Lombardy, I would say, and uh, Emilia-Romagna, but it really depends because Sicily for one year was the region with most tournaments. So it really depends. I would say that I would like to see like the south of Italy having tournaments because it's something that it hasn't happened in a while. And so, yeah, I would say the north anyway at the moment has more tournaments. And, and, and what kind of locations do you have them in? And let me let, let me give you some background about why I'm asking this question. Is I mean, Ro Italy and, and Rome in particular is, is is so steeped in you know history of uh, you know kind of obviously this is fantasy, but it, it's so steeped in kind of ancient history in a way that has some parallels that um, I, I remember I used to do I used to do historical war gaming. I used to travel for historical war gaming, and I remember. Um, there was a tournament I wasn't able to go to, but saw some beautiful pictures of um, where they did an, an international tournament uh, on the grounds of Castle St. Angelo in uh, Rome. So, you know, they had, they had all, all the tables laid out outside and, you know, there were people playing with their, you know, ancient Roman miniatures in the shadow of, of Hadrian's wow. tomb. Um, and I'm wondering kind of what, what, what venues do you have in Italy? Is there any type of equivalent like that? So we had like a, an, one of the finales was organized uh, in a, a church, was organized in a church. Um, the same tournament organizer organized uh, another tournament uh, in a castle. So it was quite amazing. I was not there, but I saw the photos and I knew about this tournament. It was just amazing. But to be honest, that's not what happens uh, usually. Also because the tournaments are not that big. So I would say the average around 20 players. So, of course, um, you, you cannot afford those kind of places usually. And so usually they are, I don't know, in, in gaming hubs, you know, associated with like um, uh, a wargaming kind of um, shop or something like that. GW back in the day, especially when it had like bigger like uh, shops. And it really depends. Um, like, for example, the, uh, our finale, it's going to take place um, in an agriturismo, which is like similar to an hotel, let's say, but uh, it has so much space also outside. So we're going to using that kind of space as, as well. Um, so let's say usually we do not go for like uh, very important venues just because we cannot afford like to do that. But it would be amazing to be honest, to expand and do more things like that. Yeah. Now, um I know you mentioned that in the tournament scene, you, you were doing, back in the day at least, you were doing good versus evil. Um, what good and what evil armies would you say are most common 
to see at a tournament nowadays? I know it depends on the points, but you said you kind of go from six to 800. So I think most places we've gone, 800 points seems to be the common theme. So we'll, we'll say 800 points. What, what good and evil armies are you guys seeing in Italy? So um, again, it's, uh, it's quite difficult to say. I, I can say that overall, I see that um, in recent years, the meta in the UK and in Italy uh, has not been that different. I mean, things were evolving like in a similar way, even if with a, a different kind of uh, amount of players, of course. I can just say that uh, in the our um, semi-final last September, the armies that won were, there were two tournaments and they were won like one tournament by uh, the Isengard Legion with Assault of uh, Deep. And then the, the other tournament, which was red versus blue, was won by the Rangers and again by Isengard. So there are lists that are like, I would say, quite common in, in, in the UK. I don't know in the US and in other meta, but um, it's nothing like that's different, perhaps. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sounds I like, mean, it sounds like you have a shooting based meta just based on those lists. Is that fair to say? Uh, yeah, on that on that case, yes. But I would say, yeah, even like on the previous years, I remember many, many, many uh, Mirkud. Uh, no, sorry, Mirkud. Uh, Riven the Knights. I remember uh, Iron Hills with Ballistas. Uh, yeah, I remember. I remember there were many like, kind of shooting lists, but it's, it was not mandatory. I mean, I saw kind of very different lists, which is something that has been improving. I would say in the uh, in the current edition of the game, of course, because back in the day in Italy, we just had like, of course, Moranon, Shadow Lords, Stormcallers, and Saruman, Legolas. All the lists were centered around these pieces. While right now, just by having a look at the lists played at the finale, uh, it was so relieving because, I don't know, there were Hobbits, there were all kind of lists. Of course, we saw like Isengard winning and which is not that uncommon but it's nice just to see different armies on the tables that was good um now I, this will kind of go for like, you can kind of do the italian what, what 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 armies do you find that people in the italian league or yourself uh struggle to go against what, you know is, is it specific and, and we're going to ignore the obvious answers such as uh, Rangers of Athelion, that kind of stuff, you know, anything that's very obvious. But what, are, what other armies do Italians or yourself, would you say, struggle to go against? Um, the thing I struggle the most going against, and I think also like Italian players overall, is Siege Weapons, because they really, really destroy the previous meta. Like, for example, right now, even if I play Elves, let's say, um, and I have to face like Isengard with two or three like uh, Ballistas or the Iron Heels or even Mordor to some extent. It's tricky because they are winning up against Elves with their shooting. And that's really something that changed the meta so much. And even if I play with Blinding Light sometimes, I find it tricky because um, they're just too strong and they, they're, they are so cheap. So, yes, I would say Siege Weapons is just something that it's... Um, I really struggle against, and I guess almost everyone struggles against. It really depends on what you're playing, but uh, 
I don't, I don't like to play that against the Druids. <laughs> Let's unpack that a bit. Which siege weapons? I mean, you mentioned the the Urkai Siege Ballista, which I, I'm assuming you're talking about in the Assault on Helm's Deep list, where it's it's you know rerolling its its hits and its um uh its scattered die rolls. Uh, are, are there are there other ones that you're seeing showing up more than others? Uh, mm, uh, the 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 Iron Hills Ballista. Of course, a few years ago, more than now, because now, of course, it's more expensive and everything. But still, it's a very good counter to the Isengard one. So I would say it's a very good list. And also, I hate dwarves when I play elves, just because um, I struggle so much, especially against the Iron Hills, uh, because I cannot do well with my shooting, of course, and I have to face them in combat. And... I'm talking about Mirkudels, and usually I struggle against the Iron Hills just because they are so solid, and Dane is an amazing hero as well. Um, so, yeah, I will say also the, the Iron Hills Ballista is very tricky to face. Yeah. Is it, what about, it, what about so, magic? Yeah, I was actually going to ask about uh, uh, things like Galadriel and magic. What do you want to know? Like, if so well, uh, so I guess. Wait, what's the question? I guess the question the question is really, um, what what spellcasters do you see showing up, and how are they used? I guess that's the question. Okay. Oh, thank you, thank you. Yeah. Um, I I think that right now there is not like a trend to use you know a particular spellcaster. Whilst in back in the day we saw like so many Sarumans and uh, even like a few years ago, I saw so many Gandalf when like Lake Town was released, of course, the survivors of Lake Town. And right now we'll say we see casters, but there's not like a trend to use just a, a particular one. So there were many, like I remember like the semi-final, there were like uh, Curdan, there, there was like the Witch King. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, there were all kind of spellcasters, but there were not. There was not like, oh, we just see Saruman on top tables. No, the, the, there is not a trend like that. And also, we see less spellcaster in Italy right now compared to the past. That's for sure. Because, like, again, uh, if Isengard uh, Legendary Legion is winning tournaments with no spellcasters, so apart from the Shaman, I mean, let's say, but yeah, it's not really. Uh, spellcaster um so no I, I don't think there is a particular spellcaster that has been used that much probably the most used would be the wish king though because we see still see many different mortars being used at tournaments um so my, my next question is going to be um when you guys go to a tournament what is a common um tournament Setup is it? Is it two days? Is it one day? Um, do you see uh, how, how many games in a tournament usually? If it's one or two days, what, what, what does that usually look like for you guys? Yeah, thank you for this. It's a very good question because uh, we've been struggling for with this in Italy for so many years uh, because um, tournaments have always been tradition in Italy: one day tournament with three games, um, and we've been encouraging doing two days tournaments. Um, but uh, we haven't been successful in this because uh, usually in Italy we like just to travel one day, we drive to the venue and we go back uh, overnight, right? So we don't have to spend there the entire weekend. Um, so 
it's pretty rare to see two or three days tournaments. That's why also the, the finale is very special because it's a three days event and everyone gathers there. So it's like the gathering of the community more than a, a tournament. And, but we would like to encourage like more two days tournaments, for example. Um, the tricky uh, bit is that we do not even play like uh, with two army lists per player. So our tournaments, when are blue versus red, we have just, for example, 15 players with good and 50 players with evil. They are not playing two lists, one good and one evil, because uh, tournament organizers are skeptical that people would participate because they say, okay, not everyone has two army lists ready, so, or perhaps they just prefer to play good or evil. So um, whilst in the UK, for example, it's very common to have these kind of events, in Italy, usually you never play two lists in the same tournament. Mm -hmm. Now, do you, do you find with um, your tournaments, I know you said you have one three-day tournament. How many people does that have? And how many people are you averaging at these one-day tournaments? All right. Oh, thank you very much for this as well. Because so the... Um, and, I, think, I think it cut out in there the first a little years, bit. It went... Yeah, start the, start the answer so again. You've finale, cut out for a while. Okay, sorry. Um, the, our finale, uh, the first one was in 2007. Um, so the finale, the very first years had like between 10 and 20 players. Um, so not that many, but in recent years, we revived this, uh, this kind of uh, uh, gathering. And uh, uh, two years ago, we managed to have like 43 players, which for the Italian league is really, really a lot. On average, I would say we usually have less than 20 players in a tournament. Um, so 43 um, was quite amazing. But the best part of this is that even last year, when we had the semi-final during the COVID-19, um, uh, we had like 32 players. And the best one is that uh, for the next one, in this September 2021, we're expected to have more than 60 players, almost mm -hmm. 70. And we still don't know if we managed to uh, to find space for all of them, but it's going to be like the biggest tournament ever organized in Italy. So we're really proud of this. Where's so it going to be? So that's going to be three days, right? Yes. Yeah. Oh, three days. And it's going to be in Reggio Emilia, which is in the region of uh, um, uh, Emilia Romagna. So if someone foreign like myself wanted to come, what do I do? Oh, you just have to speak with me because, yeah. <laughs> and... <laughs> and uh, of course, I will have to translate just the general things. But the good thing is that, that we use just the, the match and play guide and for the doubles and the singles. The only thing is that on Friday, we play this Tutti Contro Tutti tournament, which is mm -hmm. just for fun, of course. And it's um, for players per table with these kind of objectives. I would have to translate that just those set of rules. That's the mm -hmm. only thing. And yeah, the, the interesting thing is that also it's the Italian uh, SPG system open. So of course, the winner of that weekend uh, goes to our Ardacon, the next Ardacon. And another interesting thing is that uh, all the three events um, uh, decide who's going to be the Italian SPG system open champion. So basically, every tournament um, gives you points to decide who's going to win the finale, okay? And also we have painting competitions and other kind of competitions on the weekend that give you additional points. So it's not just one tournament, it's the old weekend. Uh -huh. 
And so, so I was actually going to ask from, from, let's say, from the perspective of someone who would be traveling to a different country for a tournament, um, do you think, uh, how would it work in terms of, let's say, understanding each other when playing? Because obviously, SPG is quite an international game and there's a lot of things which, like, I'm sure in many countries, when, when you're calling a heroic move, you basically just say heroic and like, and, or, or, or some sort of version like that. And uh, even though it's, it's with a different accent, uh, you're probably just gonna mark off your one might point and go heroic and then everybody exactly. understands what, what you mean. So um, how would it work if let's say you have international players arriving in Italy for a tournament? Yeah, thank you for the questions. So what happens is that, of course, that's what I like to repeat. Um, in, in, in Italy, we don't have a very good English, of course. And uh, well, yours so is I've been living in the UK. Thanks, for this, but I've been living in the UK. So, of course, it was, it was different when I first moved to Edinburgh. And um, um, well, I, I'm not sure they actually speak English in Edinburgh, but that's a different <laughs> issue. <laughs> so um, I, I would say that we are getting more international because we are uh, encouraging the participation to uh, other events. And of course, Italy has a team in, at the ETC, at Articon for years now. So we're trying to push forward this kind of idea of uh, speaking English while playing SBG. And the winner of the Italian League is going to receive a ticket for the next GT. So we're trying to encourage people flying over especially to the UK right now, but of course to, I mean, we would like pe to see people flying all around the world for the game. And um, so, but I want to uh, bring you an example because of course right now we are, we, we are saying, okay, we are improving our English and of course we're getting more international. But even back in the day, I would say 10 years ago, we had tournaments in the Northeast of Italy and there were some people from, let's say Croatia, if I'm not mistaken, Croatia, um, uh, coming to the tournament and our English was terrible. Their English, I don't remember, but I think it was terrible <laughs> as well. And we managed to play games because as Mick was saying, it's just, a, I mean, if I, I show Gandalf and I, I do this and it's clear I'm doing Sorcerer Blast and I just, perhaps I speak Italian, but it, it was very obvious. So we never had issues uh, when we were playing uh, in tournaments, even back in the day when our English was worse, I would say, um, and it was fun. So I would say, of course, it would be different than playing at the GT. Uh, if we come over... Um, yeah, it's, it's, it will be fun, it will be very fun, yes. So uh, I guess on the on the continuing the theme of kind of tourism SBG, uh, are, is there a big tournament that goes on in Rome? Y yes, there basically, is, uh... basically Matt is planning his next summer holiday. <laughs> <laughs> Do you happen to have anything in Naples by chance? Yeah. Well, well no. Let's let's ask about Rome first, and then okay. I mean Naples is an easy drive from. Uh, from Rome, so you know you can do a day trip there. We've already been asking Jakub the other day about about uh, tournaments in Poland, so it's like it's like Matt is just going to take like three months vacation. With his well, family. I mean, I have, yeah, it, yeah, you're, you're you're not wrong about that. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I mean, it, it's been I think almost twenty years since I've been in in Rome and Italy now. So there has been talk about coming back, and um, you know it would be fun to kind of do a, a tourism tournament. So anyway, tournaments in Rome. 
Yes, so one of the admins of the Italian League is, uh, is lives in Rome, is from Rome. So, of course, he organized events, I, I would say, at least one per year. Of course, it depends on COVID-19, but there's always a tournament in Rome. It's not organized in a, in a castle or something at the moment. <sighs> and they're not... Of course, the amount of players, I don't remember, but I would say it would be around 20, 30 players, something like that. But that's the average Italian tournament. But it's full of amazing people and amazing food and everything. So, yes, I would encourage going to Rome for a tournament. Yeah, that's, definitely that, sells that, it, right? that's definitely something you have over Articon. Is no castle games for you, though, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I know you've mentioned the, um, the ETC. Um, so would you find that majority of players in Italy are competitive? Are they more themey? Or are you a themey group of players who are trying to get more competitive? Um, I think there always been like a, a group of competitive uh, players in Italy um, since the very beginning, I will say. Um, but also people that were just playing for fun. So I like the two like um, pieces of this, right? We always had like the two components, which is very good. Um, so, yes, I would say it's both. It's both together. The main difference, let's say, between uh, the average tournaments in Italy and the average tournaments uh, in the UK, I would say, because that's, I mean, that's my uh, only experience, basically, apart from ETC um, in Germany, um, it's that uh, usually in Italy there are more people uh, on average that... Uh, uh, take more time to prepare their armies when it comes to painting. So perhaps I would say on average in Italy, uh, you, you get uh, uh, a higher amount of uh, mm, uh, well-painted armies than in the tournaments I attended in the UK. This is not to say that in the UK they are not amazing armies. Actually, favorites that I've ever seen were like in, in tournaments in the UK. But on average, when you, you, you have a look at the armies you are facing on a tournament on a daily basis, Usually in Italy, I will say that you are pretty satisfied with the armies you faced. So that's, uh, that's to say, yes, come to Italy and come and see that the armies they play because they are amazing. Yeah. Now, we, we in the U.S., we have some tournaments um, where they require painting to be um, at, you know, you have to have a painted army to come. Some of them are less, so you can just show up in an army. Do you guys have a requirement on painting for your tournaments or is it more um, lackadaisical, which basically means more relaxed about uh, painting in, in tournaments for you guys? I don't know if I got all the question, but um, uh, yes, I mean, you know, in every tournament of the Italian League, miniatures have to be painted. So that's mandatory. And they, you cannot play with uh, other kind of uh, uh, miniatures and they have to be painted. So we try to, uh, to use the, the, the official rules from GW. We want to play with this standard. And I think this was like, it's always been the case of the Italian League, also because uh, not many people know this, but back in the day, GW was uh, behind the Italian League. I mean, they were um, sponsoring us. Also, they gave us like, uh, mats and uh, and also some kind of um, uh, terrains back in the day because in Italy GW had was like supporting the game and then of course this kind of support uh, finished I think with the end of GW Italy or anyway the section that was like uh, creating the the game in Italy. Wasn't, and... sorry, sorry, wasn't actually SPG written by an Italian in the first place, Alessio Cavatora? I think so. I think so. Yes. Yes. I think yes. So, yeah. 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 
So and then we had an amazing, amazing manager also behind uh, uh, GW Italy for when it comes to SBG. And of course, there were official events. They were helping the Italian league and so on. So we've always tried to uh, follow GW. Even today, that of course GW is not supporting us. Uh, you know, I've heard different kind of opinions of this when it comes to other kind of leagues and uh, backgrounds around the world when it comes to SPG community. But Italian One has always been 100% supportive of GW and their choices, of course. So if you have a model, I know because I know you mentioned that um, you, you try to use all the authentic models. If you had, let's say, uh, Forlong from the fiefdoms who doesn't have the ability to have a horse because there is no model do you guys allow people to use uh different models because of that so what we say is that we repeat the gw rule and then it's up to tos and uh, referees so what we say is that of course we you will have to use like the official miniatures and do a conversion from that but then it depends on the tournament organizers whether or not they are actually checking if the models uh, the conversions are made from GW models or they comes from other kind of companies. So um, I would say you can see some models that are not official, but it's not something that the league is encouraging. So that's what we, what we do. So you allow people to use parts from other Lord of the Rings models if, if the TO permits it, but you couldn't use like a horse from a different system, for example. That, from a different company. right. Uh, yes, let's say that uh, on the rules pack of the Italian League, it says that you should use just official uh, models from GW and conversions of official models. But then, of course, you can see also models from other companies, I will say, in some events, because TOs are not that, you know, they don't want to get into um, that situation when they have to remove models from the tables. I, I, now, have, I now have this image of, like, the the official horse inspector of the Italian <laughs> SBG league. Is this a GW horse? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you show me the collector's guide, which horse this is. Yeah, that's right. Wait, th this, this, this horse under four long, the fat looks suspiciously fat. I'm not aware of any GW horses that are this fat. <laughs> um, all right. So I guess I'll bring it on to, to the final question for uh, the, the, you know, interview, I guess, is uh, why do people in your, in Italy tend to get into the game itself, would you say? So why do, why do people start the game in Italy? Yeah, why do people play Lord of the Rings specifically in Italy? Oh, wow, that's a difficult one. Um, I would say that uh, the Diagostini, like, campaign was something that brought in at the beginning so many people, and also, like, uh, that's when I started, so I can just uh, provide my perspective on this. I, I think I would never, I would have never started this game if it was not for the advertisement I saw on my television, and I was like, "Wow, I want to, I want to try this." And I did this with my schoolmates. So um, yes, I think I will never be playing like war games if it, if it was not for for that advertisement on on televisions. That's my case. But um, uh, nowadays, I don't know. I think that. Uh, I like to believe that we are a great community and we try to do our best to bring in new players. Um, but I really don't know. I really don't know. I think, like, of course, it's just the legacy of Tolkien and the Lord of the Rings, and I think it will never die. So as soon as there, there, there will be some support from GW and support of the leagues internationally, the game will never end, and we will always have new players. 
and kids playing as well. Uh, the best part of this is like seeing some of my friends uh, in introducing the game to their children. It's it's just amazing, and that's um, that's that's just beautiful to see like kids playing the game and with their parents. It's it's very good. But uh, uh, apart from this, I don't know. I will say that. Uh, I don't know what's, why people in Italy want to start Lord of the Rings, as, as in the rest of the world, I would say, just because it's so special, just Tolkien's world and Middle-earth, and yeah. Well, that's interesting, though, because at least in the U.S., like, we never, we never had, at least ma ma maybe Matt can correct me on this, I, I don't think we ever had commercials for... No games workshop. So it was. It, <laughs> that's, that's yeah, that's uh, that was really interesting when I heard that that there were TV commercials for Games Workshop. I yeah, I, mean, I certainly a, don't remember that. Bone too. I remember when I was still, still living back home, like two thousand one, two, when uh, when the thing was coming out. Um, I remember them advertising. Here's here's magazines, and you're gonna get these six goblins, and wow. and then there's some shots of the films, and yeah. Hmm. That's, that's I wonder if that ha I wonder if that happened in the UK. Yeah, that, I mean that, that I that's another interesting. Maybe maybe we'll add that uh, in future episodes. We'll ask if uh, if people had television. Uh, uh, if, if people had television in general. Yeah, people in general. <laughs> you know, <television. laughs> All you right, know, so guys, I have I, I have a very good question here. So perhaps I don't know. Mick perhaps could help answering to this. So I, I still do, do not know why in Italy we do not have as many UK who has this similar amount of inhabitants and in Poland who has a very different kind of amount of inhabitants I mean we have way less players in Italy mm -hmm. than in the UK and in Poland also like and I still do, do not understand why we do not have many players and I'm not just talking about the Lord of Rings but also heard in other kind of systems in Italy it's just war games it's not like so thing as so so war games in general is just it's just not that big of yeah like, or even just the Lord of Rings but I still do not understand why we have less players in Italy than in the UK and Poland I, I don't understand I don't understand yeah, well, that's I, I was I was gonna say go that, ahead, like uh, as as far as I know like you guys have like pretty great Magic the Gathering players so I was I was I was thinking that perhaps oh, okay. perhaps um, uh, war games are, are just as popular but um, no, it yeah, could I, be I, I, I'm not an expert I guess, but... I guess I guess maybe there isn't just as big of a culture because like for example in Poland we're just really into war in general and just and just replaying war and and into our history so perhaps maybe it comes down to people's history and like uh, everyone in, in, in Polish schools learns history all the way back to like year 1000 and, and so on and everyone's really into it. So uh, I don't know, like maybe, may, maybe it's something to do with that. Mm -hmm. Just, just yes, general yes. culture. It's cultural, it's cultural. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah. So I, 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 guess, I guess I need to put in a correction here. I just went to YouTube and I did a search for Games Workshop TV commercial. <laughs> And um, there, there are at least three Games Workshop TV spots that aired in the U.S. that are, you know, this is from like eight to ten, eight, ten, eleven years ago, that are really? on here. None of these seem to feature Lord of the Rings, but these <laughs> oh, are. I didn't know these that are, there are think, commercials in general, though. That's interesting. Yeah, so these are appear to be TV commercials, and they appear to be TV commercials for local shops. There's like one in Virginia. There's one in Illinois. I don't know where this one's from. Um, but, uh, yeah, these were apparently TV commercials that, that aired in the U S 
So amazing what you can find in the, the history of, of TV ads on uh, YouTube. <laughs> okay. um, Although I, I, I notice I think there are probably more women I'm seeing playing GW games in games workshop stores in these commercials than I have, I have ever actually seen in person in a games workshop store. <laughs> Um, all right, so so that'll pretty much uh, cover, I think, the the Italian meta, if you will. Um, so thank you for that, uh, Tommaso. It's very much appreciated to to hear, you know, your perspective as well as I, what I imagine several other um, Italian players would 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 respond to in this situation. Uh, well, basically, we'll we'll move into the um, the duel for uh, this episode, and for anybody who hasn't heard the duel before. Essentially what it is, it's, it's a hypothetical game as if you were to go into a tournament and you're about to find out who your opponent is, uh, what scenario you're going to play, and on which board you're going to play on. Uh, so we wanted to kind of recreate that. So Mick will be going up against Tommaso uh, today. Uh, so they've each wrote, written a list, um, and we'll, we'll show the board. We'll, they'll talk about their lists, and I'll roll for the scenario that they'll be going up against and their job is to convince both Matt and myself that they would win this battle by describing how they would play it and, and how they would deal the opponent army, the opposing army. So I'll show the board real quick, and then we'll get into the list. So the board for this week is a bit of a different one, but it's definitely you could definitely play this in a tournament. Um, so it's kind of Goblin Town themed. Uh, yeah. So uh, I've got a lot of boards. Like <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. So essentially it's it's the Goblin Town um planks all over the place. You know, you got the Goblin Town uh scenario pieces, and there's there's levels to it. So there's top levels and lower levels, there's ramps all over the place. Amazing. Um, yep. And and so I, I I know that some people would probably not like to play against this in a uh in a tournament. But I thought it would be interesting because there isn't that many high-level, low-level uh, spots, but there are a whole bunch of ramps all over the place, so it makes it so your army does get split up a little bit, and it makes it so you have to react differently. So I thought it would be interesting to hear how people would deal with this. Um, but Mick, Tim, before you, we go on, what is the origin of this board? Do you know? Where it came from? Uh, yeah. It was I, – I just know that Devin had sent it to me. So uh, okay, I so, uh, so I know this board. This is a board – from the from a Denver Colorado tournament that both Devin and I attended, and I, I have actually played a game on this board. I was wondering why it looked looked familiar, but now I know exactly why. That makes sense for like gold rush reasons. There's a lot of like gold mining here going on, a lot of ladders, and yeah, and we're, we're clearly on the ground. So, so something to be to be clear about. Um, you can kind of see it. So. You know, there's there's a big collection of 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 big uh, um, you know panels and platforms in the center of the board, and as Tim mentioned, there there's a there's two levels to some of these, and in particular, the uh, the center. If you look at the at the center right, you see that there's like a two level platform there. Mm -hmm. There is there is a section underneath that top platform that is fully if awkwardly playable um so you can kind of move figures wow. around on that that first level there um and uh the uh and then and then that first that first lower level continues on to the um 
to the platform just above it or to to the north of it as as you look on that. So that's kind of a two level playing surface there. And I have I have fond memories of trying to maneuver my dwarves around that first level, kind of underneath that ceiling there, there that which unfortunately would not remove. So like we were having to like you know kind of push uh, push figures around with pencils underneath that that top level. So. All right, Mick, if you want to go over your list first. Okay, well, talking about dwarves, I have a very themey list for this week. Uh, just quickly open it. <clears throat> so I have brought uh, an army which contains King's Champion, leading uh, his two heralds and five dwarf warriors with bows. The second warband is where the general sits, that's, that's Durin. Uh, he's leading 10 hard guards. Uh, third warband is a ballista. Fourth warband is ballista. And the fifth warband is allied Arnor, uh, where we have Arbidui leading 10 warriors of Arnor and five rangers of Arnor with spears. So in total, I have 39 models. Um, this is uh, three, six, eight, ten 10 points of might. Uh, obviously, two of them are from ballistas. Uh, eight, uh, 800 points. Uh, 10 bows um, and 15 of my uh, of my allied warriors have spears so I've designed it so that all of the spearmen can support the dwarves in combat so yeah that's that's, that's my list which conveniently really suits the theme of this of this board okay. uh, Tommaso if you want to go over your list for this week yes sure um, so uh, <clears throat> So first of all, you know, I'm an advocate for like playing Lady of Light in Lothlorien. This is, this is not Lady of Light in Lothlorien, okay? Um, so uh, to push forward my narrative, I also play Lady of Light in uh, non-theme In list. everything. In, in everything, <laughs> in everything, exactly, exactly, in exactly. So this is- You're hardly list. alone in that, Tommaso. <laughs> so this is my list. So first warband is Galadriel Lady of Light and Radagast with Sebastian, who is my general. Um, then I, the second warband is the Master of Lake Town with six Lake Town guards with bow and six, ten, six Lake Town guards with bow and spear. Then the third warband is Braga with two Lake Town guards with bow, two Lake Town guards with bow and spear four guards and four guards with spear. Warband number four, it's Alfred and 12 uh, guards, six with spear. Warband five, uh, Lake Tang captain, four Lake Tang guards and six Lake Tang guards with spear. And then uh, eventually we had the sixth warband, which comes uh, with Balin the Dwarf, hero of uh, Valor and Bombur the Dwarf. Uh, it's 800 points, 20, uh, 54 models, uh, 54 models, 16 bows. I have 14 might plus Bombur. I'm saying plus Bombur because Bombur, of course, cannot use might for heroic uh, moves. And then I have also Alfred. So it's 14 plus Bombur and plus Alfred. And I have also the army here. So, you know, you can, that's it. This is it. All righty. Uh, how, how many models in total? I'm sorry. Did we... 54. 54. Okay. 
Okay. Um, okay. So what's, what's the scenario? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and roll for that real quick. Um, so I'm gonna just get into the match play guide. So we'll roll for um, what scenario will be based on the pools. So the first one is pool six, which is unique scenarios. It says, and the scenario is assassination. Oh, yes. so that is the last scenario. So I'll just read it over real quick. Um, both players um, will deploy their warband up to 24 inches. Um, the points values for this, uh, the game will end on a roll of a one or two uh, once one force has been broken. So it's one of those. Uh, for victory points, you get one victory point if your target has suffered one or more wounds. Let's see, target. I'll read the target special rule out first so that this makes sense. At the start of the game, secretly note down one of your opponent's hero models. This is your target for the game. This may not be the opponent's leader unless they have only one hero. The assassin. At the start of the game, secretly note down one of your hero models. This is your assassin. This may not be your leader unless you only have one hero. So you score one victory point if your target has suffered one or more wounds. If your target has suffered one or more wounds and the assassin caused at least one of the wounds, you instead score three victory points. If your target has been slain and you, you instead score five. If your target has been slain and your assassin caused the fatal wound, you get seven. You get one victory point for causing one or more wounds on the leader. Um, two if you kill the leader. One for breaking the force. Three for breaking without being unbroken. So essentially... You have a killer in your list, and you have a person to protect in your list, but you don't know who that person is because they choose it. And the objective is to do as much damage to that opposing person's hero, preferably with your assassin as possible. And then breaking and uh, leader. Amazing. Yeah. So I'll roll to see uh, who would deploy first. So uh, uh, I think before we do that, we need to have them record who their assassins are and who their targets are. Correct, yeah. Okay, so so even though this is a secret thing, we'll just, for the for the sake of the podcast, well, who would your person to take out? No, be? no, 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 they, no, no, no. They 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 have they have they have to re- they have to record this simultaneously because whoever speaks first is going to be at a is going to be at a, a disadvantage, and then uh, and then maybe we go through deployment and then maybe we have the reveal after kind of we do deployment and them talking through what the general yeah. strategy is going to be. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, so we can actually just just write it down and then and then, then show it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, 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 exactly. Okay, so we need we'll, we need to have some suspense here, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we'll do the person that you are trying to kill first will be the first wait, thing wait. you guys should. Uh, so it's wait, a target. Okay, target. Yeah, the target is the first person you'll write down first and then show up on the screen. So the, the target cannot be the general and your killer cannot be the general. Right. Okay. Um, it doesn't right, say yeah. your killer does. does your... I think it does. Um, we'll check. Oh, the assassin cannot be your general. Yes, yeah. the assassin cannot so, be your general. So uh, both the target and the assassin Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, should, should, I, I wrote them down, both of them. Yeah. Um, so we'll what it. we'll do. Yeah. If you want to make, if you just want to write down both and then we'll, you guys can show it at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm on the same page. Yeah. I'm ready. But, but let's, we got to, we got to wait to do this at, 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 at least after deployment. We talked through the mm-hmm. first few turns because that, you know, where stuff deploys, 
Mm-hmm. They, they can't know who the target and the assassin is. Yeah, so, yeah but maybe we should show them these at the end of the recording, no? Yeah, no, we'll show them it. Yeah, no, we'll show, we'll show them it. Yeah. Well, yeah, so don't, 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 um, don't show us yet. We'll show it at the end of the battle. Ah, and okay. then that way, you know, if Mick's going after one hero that he thought was the person, but ends up not being that person, you know what I mean? It, so it'll be easier to determine that afterwards. So I'll roll to see who deploys first. So on a one mm-hmm. to three, Mick sure. will deploy first. And it'll be Mick. So Mick, you get to choose which side and up to 24 inches how you'd like to deploy. Right. So since Tommaso outnumbers me by about 15 models, I'm, I'm sort of assuming that the, the battle is going to take place pretty much in the middle of the board. Um, but I would want to get a situation where I cannot just be easily surrounded. Uh, so my line is potentially something like 15, 16 wide. So I would probably pick uh, the left side of the board. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't see exactly. I'm just, I'm just wondering, um, pretty much in the middle of, uh, of this board, uh, you can see a little bridge that goes up, and then there's another bridge that goes up. Mm-hmm. And right. then, like this, this platform, no, uh, left, left from where your mouse is. So, like, yeah, so, so this bridge. Now, on the right of this bridge, there is there's this, this, this big platform under which Matt was saying he was fighting. Is it possible to actually come come down from this uh, from this one or so the way the way you have to do it um, is uh, uh, and actually here let me um, see I'm viewing Tim's Tim can you uh, surrender control to me of the um, of the picture actually maybe I can take it here here I'm going to request remote control okay I'm requesting remote control from Tim go. Hines all right there we go. All right. Can you see my cursor, Mick? Uh, no. No, you can't. Well, that's annoying. Um, <laughs> let me see if there's any way. I'm just I can... basically wondering whether there is an exit from that platform on the right side of the board. All right. Hang on a second. All right. So I'm going to I'm going to take right, some advice the... from our previous guest oh, here. Yes, I'm going to draw. Nice. Uh, okay. So um, let's see if I can do this without screwing it entirely up so um all right so you're 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 talking about this area here no, and no you're, the, the the area on the right yeah okay but you, you want want to know how to get from the area that i just marked over to yeah. kind of the lower area over here so there's no, no, a couple no, sorry. Of ways- uh, uh i'm asking whether the area on the right and the area on the left are they connected or is there a chasm in between them that you just fall through See that little middle part between oh the okay so the, the, the little gap right here yeah so that's one question no they, they're they're connected you can walk okay. from one to the other okay and the second question is you see uh just above the bottom dot that you made there yep am i seeing that that's some sort of a ramp that goes down Yes. All right. So this, so I'm going to, I'm going to, so for those who are, I'm going to try and use a thousand words to paint this picture to folks who aren't watching this on YouTube. There are four big platforms kind of in the middle of the board. Um, And if you start at, uh, if you start at the upper right platform, that platform is, is lower down. We're going to call that level one. And 
if you and the way you get to the platform immediately to the left of that, immediately to the west of that, is you walk up a ramp, and that ramp is right here to get to level two, which is where the platform is in the upper left quadrant. Then you can walk straight across to another platform on level two that's in the lower left quadrant, and then you can jump over there to oh, I see. a platform on the right that's also on level two. Beneath the platform in the lower right quadrant here is a second level at level one. And you can walk across to that platform on level one on the lower right hand, I'm sorry, on the upper right hand uh, corner. So basically starting, uh, starting in the upper right, you've got platform on lower one. Mm-hmm. Then okay, you go cool. to the lower right platform on level one, layer two, and level two. Then level two on the lower left, level two on the upper left, and then a platform that goes down. Okay, cool. So taking all this into account, I would uh, pick the bottom side of the board. Um, I would have to deploy my ballistas first, uh, and they can only be deployed within six inches of the of my board edge. So I would probably. Uh, choose uh, either one or, well, probably one of them to be deployed on the on the hill in the bottom left corner, okay. and then another one on uh, somewhere. Well, it goes back and forth, so you can you can listen to what. Um, oh, yeah, true. So I would, basically, I would basically start by deploying a ballista uh, in the bottom left corner, close cl- close to the corner. Okay. And, and uh, Tim, I've surrendered control at this point before okay. I zoomed up, but if you want to get out of the edit mode, just click on the X there. I think that will blow up the map again. Okay. I'm hoping it so, will anyway. Yeah. All right. So Mick's going to be there deploying down here is what yeah, he's saying. Yeah. So I'm just, I'm just plunking a ballista somewhere six inches from the corner. Okay. So Tommaso, if you want to share where you would put your first warband, knowing that you're on this part of the board. Yes, uh, yes, 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 yes. Um, <clears throat> so you're allowed up to here, and you're on this half right here, on the top top half. All right, yes. So um, <clears throat> I'll start by deploying... Uh, <sighs> Bombur and Balin are uh, in the middle of the table, basically. On um, yeah, over there, like let's say on that kind of uh, yeah, for, yeah, yeah, exactly there. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. that's okay. So Mick, where would your next warband be? Cool. So, so just for the people following around at home, that is the kind of the upper left of the 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 four big platform quadrants in the center of the yeah, board. Yeah. In fact, Tim, why don't you draw something? That's what I'm thinking. All right. So cool. we've got. Um, here, okay, so I would plunk my uh, King's Champion and five bowmen in the very middle of the board, pretty much standing opposite Balin and Bombard. Okay, so like right here? Yeah. Okay. And so I would probably just like put, uh, put the King's Champion in the middle, then put bows two or three uh, 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 to each side, and then position banners behind them for as much coverage for later. Okay. Uh, Tommaso, if you want to share where you would put your next warband. My next warband, it's... 
it's uh, it's uh, the master of Lake Town, just in front of uh, of Balin and Bombor, just in front of the King Champion. Yeah, over there. Yes, okay. exactly there. Yep. So there's that. All right. So make your next warband. Um, I will be putting Durin, probably just next to King's Champion, on right his left. Yeah, just just around here, okay. and then selecting the hard card to basically just like go in a line. Okay. Okay. Um, then um, I will place just uh, Alfred, just yeah, in front of the, in front. Uh, no, on the other, on the other. Oh, no, sorry, I don't understand. Tricky. Uh, yeah, let's just place Alfred in front of the of Durin. Yeah. So, like right here. Yeah. Okay. Well, that is, that is quite a challenge for for. I was, I was for going Durin to say to go through Alfred. <laughs> I was going to say that's a um, that's a, a a sentence that that may never have been uttered before in the history of SPG. <laughs> I'm going to place oh, Alfred we'll right Durin. in front of Durin. No, wait. Yeah, yeah, but sorry, it's Alfred's warband. So of course, Alfred's yeah, behind course, the yeah, line. Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> okay. okay yeah. Uh, Mick, your next one. So I will put all of my uh, Arnorian spearmen basically behind uh, behind everything else, be, uh, behind all the drawers, support them, and then keep keep arbitrary somewhere somewhere around the center as well. Okay, Tomas. Uh, um, um, so um, the Braga on the right, on the right, yeah, there, yeah. Still on the upper level, right? Yes. Yes, I think you can barely okay. fit that on there, but yes, okay. you can yes. make that. Cool. All right, um, Mick, your next warband if you have one. So I have the remaining Ballista, which okay. I would put... Uh, does it have to be within six inches of the corner? Or? It has to be within six or inches of the back edge of the board. The back edge of the board, right, yeah. So that, that X so, is probably a bit far forward there where... Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, so I'll, I'll just... Oh, wait, sorry, why does it have to be there? It's not a maelstrom, right? So you can deploy, like, in uh, wherever you want in your uh, deployment, right? A siege, siege weapon has to be deployed yeah. within six inches of uh, your own edge of the board, regardless of scenario deployment restrictions. Oh, okay, yeah, I yeah. do remember this. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's the case. So. I remember just in maelstrom, but yeah. Yeah, okay, so like right there, Mick, does that seem good for the yeah, first yeah. one? Yeah, so that was, that was the first one. So so the second one is going to have to be basically probably in the other corner. Over here? Yeah. I'm just wondering... So one I thing to keep in mind I is I that... I should be able to aim up. I'm just, I'm just basically wondering whether... That, whether that's actually, yeah, that's actually going to be a problem because those elevated um, platforms there are a good like three inches right. elevated up okay, okay, from the okay. board so there's going to be you're going to have targeting problems okay so there. okay well since it's quite hard to see on three-dimensional level so i'll i would probably just put that ballista just next to the other ballista because that's more elevated okay so we'll put yeah. right here mm -hmm. okay so make you out of warbands correct i'm out of warbands all right, so Tomas, so the rest of your warband. So the Lake Town captain on the left, uh, if if he can stand there, yeah, exactly there. If he can. Okay, stand so just keep button. in mind, it's not it. This is on a lower level. Yeah, so he could start on that ramp there that leads up. So here's um, the center line, right? Okay. Here's yeah. the center line. Yep. So this this part right here is on a lower level. Yep. 
So he could go up. A, there's a little ramp right here. And you could always take jump tests to get up here. No, 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 no. Okay. Yes. No. So let's put it on the right. On the right, just there. Yeah, exactly on the upper level. Yes. Okay. I'm not sure with this warband, though, being here, that you'd be able to fit any more troops because this is directly the halfway line. So, like this, ah, okay. is, this is the line, and you've already got a warband like right here, and this is the edge of the platform, is what I'm saying. So, so this, one is, place, this is a lower level. One place you could place it is you see the causeway that's further over on the right there? Yeah. Um, he could place it on that, that, that causeway, the north south causeway. Yep. Yeah, oh, you're just over it. Go about an inch to the right. Oh, right here. Yep. Uh, yeah, but the ah, north-south okay. one. Ah, yeah. cool. Yes, there, there, there. Yeah. Okay. So, so, like, the so, like... so Tim, go about a half inch to your right, mm -hmm. and go about a half inch to the north. Okay. That's where he could deploy us on that causeway. Okay. Okay. So you see this right here? Does that make sense? Does that make sense to me? Yes. Yes, it makes sense. All right. So yeah. you okay with that one? Yeah. Okay. So we'll go right here, and then yes. do you have any warbands left? Yes, and then I will place uh, Galadriel, Lady of Light, and Radagast. Mm -hmm. So uh, I will place uh, Galadriel, Lady of Light, just in front of the King's Champion. Okay, so like right here? No, that's, yeah, there. And Radagast behind the lines, yes. Okay, so Radagast back here. I mean, yeah, they have the same warband, but anyway, it's the, yeah, just mm -hmm. to let you They're know still that. within six inches, yep. Yes, yeah. Okay, so this is the battle line. Uh, we've got the two ballistas back here in the back left corner. We've got the bulk of mixed force in the middle. We've got the very large bulk of uh, the Masa's force in the middle as well, with one flanking on the, the far right corner. Uh, far right middle, I should say. And uh, So now it's your job to convince both Matt and myself how you would win this and who, who you're going after and, and, and all that kind of stuff. Right. Should I start, or you want to start, Mick? I mean, um, yeah, wh whoever. Uh, I can start. Matt, if I cancel this, does this go out of? Uh, do we lose the paint from it? I, I don't think so. No, but let's find out. We know where everything is. We know. We know where everything. We know where everything. Right. Wait, wait, Tim. Tim. Uh, they'll lose recent changes. Wait, wait, wait. It says. Just save it first, mm -hmm. and then that should allow you to keep it. Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay. And, and so for the folks who are listening to this, basically the way this is played out is there are these big platforms in the center of the board. Um, there are a couple of causeways between the, the platform that's on Nick's side and the platforms that are on uh, Tommaso's side. Um, and there's, there's some Lake Town guards squaring off against um, I think Doran and uh, the uh, the King's Champion, um, you know, kind of fighting across those causeways. And Tommaso also has a a couple of flanking forces of Lake Town Guard that are coming coming uh, in a position to kind of swing in on um, uh, Mick's right flank on the platform that he's occupying. Uh, although Mick still has, uh, um, you know, because this is a because there are two choke points, they're going to be fighting across. Mick has, you know, plenty of reserves there to kind of shift to the flank. And then there's Mick's also got two ballistas that are sitting kind of back and to the left, um, uh, getting set to uh, to shoot um, into uh, 
Tommaso's and any targets that will bear from Tommaso. So those ballistas are back and to the left, back and to the left. Anybody who gets that reference, you get extra points. <laughs> okay. I don't get, so- I don't get it. <laughs> uh, you got to see, you got to see the movie uh, JFK by Oliver Stone to understand okay. the okay. reference. Okay. So Mick, because you've done this before, why don't you okay. go ahead and explain how cool. you do it. And then Tommaso, if you, if you get what Mick's doing, then do it yourself after Mick's finished. Cool. Okay? And we're gonna reveal the targets after after we've uh, we've finished everything, right? Um, yeah. Yep. Okay. Cool. So uh, <laughs> disclaimer: If Galadriel hadn't been there, my my idea here would be to just move back and fire with the with the ballistas. But however, uh, Galadriel is there, so that sucks for me. Um, so essentially. Uh, this is quite a ch- choky, choky situation where um, I just have to rely entirely on the strength of my of my troops. Essentially, I'm fighting with fight four, which is higher fight value than Tomas's troops, and my guys have strength four with Burley because they're hard guards. So against uh, Lake Town Guard, I will actually be killing them on threes um, with my uh, with my front line. And on threes with Durin and on fours with the King's Champions. So my idea here is to get stuck in as early as possible and start killing as fast as possible in whatever way. Um, the two ballistas, they will be trying to aim at whatever they can. Although initially, it seems to me that um, depending exactly on how uh, units have been deployed um, sort of around Tommaso's main chunk of the army, it's possible I'm not going to have any targets initially. So um, if I if I sense that there's nothing to attack here, uh, um, if there's nothing to shoot here, then I would just start moving the ballistas forward and ideally bring them somewhere closer to the middle of the battle line where hopefully eventually I might be able to fire at something across the lines. But I'm sort of expecting that I'm kind of playing with like 680 points against the 800 uh, in a sense, because the ballistas are not really going to do anything in this game. However, thanks to all the choke points, really this whole game becomes uh, very much about how the heroes get positioned and where they go. So uh, I'll be trying to use Durin and Arvidui and King's Champion to cut down as many troops as I can, um, because ultimately, um, the quicker I do it, like. I don't think Tommaso's numerical advantage will, will really be able to help him uh, very much here. Uh, so I just want to go one-on-one, well, two-on-two as much as I can with the support of, of the banners and yeah, just try to, try to cut things down as, as, as much as possible. Um, I will be prioritizing taking out um, probably... Uh, uh, Radagas is your general, right? Yes. Yes. Um, he potentially causes, causes a problem with his uh, nature's wrath, but luckily, luckily that's been diminished to, to three inches. Um, so I would be prioritizing uh, trying to take out Galadriel and then probably going on to like Balin and uh, where's uh, where's your captain based? Is he cap- is on he the right? On the right, is alone on the right. The captain? No, 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 on the very right. On the, yeah, on the very right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, so I would be, in that case, thinking, okay, Captain is probably his... Hmm. 
Captain is probably the guy he's assuming that I'm going to be targeting. So uh, I would just ignore the captain for now. My main, uh, uh, my, my main chunk of the army would just be trying to, to, uh, to take out uh, Galadriel, Radagast, Balin, and, and whoever is in that, uh, in that part of the board. But essentially, I feel like uh, with higher five value and strength four with Burly all over, hopefully I can cut down as much as I can, as quickly as I can. Okay, um, so that's pretty much he, Tomasa. He he's basically saying that's what he would do to try and 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 beat you. He's saying he would he'd use his Kazad guard with support to cut you down. So how would you, um, not knowing his tactics, kind of go about this? If if this, if his army was deployed this way, how would you try to get at him? At so this point? yes, just uh, just to start, like I know from the army, like basically what's um, the main point of this army? It plays. Uh, I mean, basically around Bombur and the idea that he regains my uh, points of will, it just gives back points of will to either Alfred or Radagast. So, uh, because Alfred, of course, is going to give his points, uh, use his points of will to provide more might to the master of Lake Town here in this game uh, against Nick. In other cases, it could be useful also to provide Mike to the captain and Braga for heroic march, especially for heroic defense with Braga. Um, but in this case, I will be focusing on the master of Lake Town. So let's say that I could have like uh, five points of might with the, with the master of Lake Town if I'm lucky enough. That means that I can pump my troops for um, uh, about five turns with the master of Lake Towns. And I will have five value four. That is the same five value as makes troops which is very good um that's that is the main thing but that's uh, also I'm, i would not be using bombor to give back uh will to uh alfred here in this game but i will be using it just uh, in base contact with radagast all the time behind the lines because the main point of this list of course is using natural wrath and as Mick was anticipating and every turn every turn i will be casting natural wrath uh, with my free point of will plus something else if I have some more will to add to this. And I will be focusing, of course, to use Natural Wrath in the best positions, uh, in the best spot. Um, probably I will try to avoid Durin just because I do not want him to resist in the very first turns. I will focus on the on the side of the King's Champion just because if I'm not mistaken, it just have one point of will. Um, so that's where I will be focusing. And I guess that. Uh, of course, the hard guards are very good, but if they are knocked on the ground, they can't do anything. So I still have fight value four, two attacks because I have two lines, and then the banner provided by the master of Lake Town. So I will be fighting with three attacks basically to win the attack and two to wounds. And if it's on the ground, four dice to wound, which is not bad. I need a six, of course, but it's it's pretty doable. And I will be playing with something like 50 models more than me. So I'm pretty confident here also because in this very scenario, my heroes, all of my heroes are behind the lines, apart from the Lady of Light and perhaps Braga, but it starts behind the lines. So all the others are behind the lines. So uh, Tomasa, just, just remind me where Braga is. Braga is uh, uh, on the right. He's on the right. Yeah, there. That yes. one there. Okay, I got gotcha. you. All right. So he's he's yeah. the one who's kind of doing the initial flanking move with the captain yeah. kind of further back 
on the flank. Okay, got it. Yes, yes. So the idea is that he will not be fighting just because he's assassination. And I'm not sure that Mick didn't choose Braga. So I don't want him to go in the middle of, of the battle, maybe against Arbeduit. So I will be focusing on my troops and Nature's Wrath all the time. And of course, also Balin might be helpful. To be honest, the main reason I use him is just that uh, is the reason why I can add in Bombur. But also his, uh, his special rules is just amazing to find priority. And also here I have so many might, points of might that uh, Balin is just helping me not to use those points of might for heroic moves. Uh, so basically Galadriel will be fighting in the first line against the king's champion. And I will try to knock the, the to knock the, the king champion down with Radagast on the very first turn using at least three points of will. Uh, so two plus the free one. And on the very first turn, Bombur will try to give back one point of will to uh, Radagast. And I will be moving the captain up to the platform and try to uh, uh, help Braga to flank the dwarf and Arvidui over there. And of course, uh, with Lady of Light, I'm not really worried, and the, platform, uh, and the platforms, I'm not really worried about the two ballistas, to be honest. And yeah, that's it. To be honest, I think, I mean, I was very lucky to play it on this game and against that list and with the Lady of Light. So I would not be too worried in a tournament to face this army. <laughs> I was actually thinking earlier, whilst, whilst we were chatting about, uh, uh, about Italy, I was like, hmm, I'm bringing the two ballistas. I wonder, I wonder, I wonder what's it going to be like. He's going to be terrified. I, I mean, <laughs> yeah, you, yeah. You, you forgot, Vic, you, you how you know, Lady of Light led the army of Lake Town to victory in that classic oh, scene yeah. well that's the thing I have in a, one I of the movies that we can't recall we don't need to get down in the nitty-gritty we know what happened it's clearly happening right then well um, it's 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 the deleted scene where um braga alfred and the master were leading the support army um to attack dogaldur you know mm -hmm. they're just they you know they were they were all in the background but got cut due to timing reasons makes sense um matt so any questions from you uh no i think i have it from um tomaso's side so uh okay i i, I have one question for mick um where are the ballistas firing exactly <laughs> well at the start of it are they firing <laughs> they aren't firing very much well, it, it will really depend uh, what's possible to fire at. Like, obviously on this map, it's hard to see, but I can't target anything within three inches of my own troops. So uh, if, let's say, at the start of the game, I'd be able to target any of his heroes and try to get through lines, then I would. But chances are they're not going to be targeting anything and they will just be moving forward to get to somewhere closer to the to the middle of the board. So then maybe on like turn four or five, they may be able to start firing better. But I'm not, I'm not really expecting ballistas to do anything this game, to be entirely honest. Okay. Uh, Matt, if you want to give uh, your verdict. All right. Well, I think before I do that, I think we need to have the big reveal as to who the assassins are and who the targets oh, yes. are. And, and okay. why. Yes. <laughs> All right. Uh, so three, two, one, if you want to put them on the screen now. Okay. So let's see. The target 
the killer is the king's champion, and the target is is that Balin? What does that yeah. say? Yeah. The, okay. So obviously those are those are Mick's targets. So Mick Mick has the king's champion trying to assassinate Balin. Okay. So never liked that guy anyway. And the assassin is Lady of Light, and the target is the king's champion. King's champion. Interesting. Okay. So um, if Mick, if you want to explain why you did the choices that you did. Uh, well, and first of all, uh, killer-wise, uh, I don't really have any other choice because I can't pick Durin and I won't pick Arvadui, so obviously it's, it's the King's Champion. Um, the reason why I picked Balin is because he is defense 8, and so I'm assuming that the master wouldn't really be worried about him very much. And no, so, it's, 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 Sorry, it's, it's Balin the Dwarf, so his defense uh, is less, like, 5? Oh, uh, oh, I see, it's him. Okay. Fine, fine, fine. I was just fine. Wait, yeah. if it wasn't Balin the Dwarf, who was it going to be? Oh. No, no, no. I, like, I was going to I was gonna go for Balin anyway. Uh, no, I, I'm just curious because I, I wasn't aware there was like a Balin the Elf or, or a Balin the Hobbit or something like that. You <laughs> <laughs> um, just seem, su- seem surprised that Balin was a Dwarf, and I was wondering why. Oh, uh, Balin the dwarf. Bali, oh, Bali the dwarf! Not Balin, Balin the champion of Erebor, which is maybe also Balin oh, the dwarf. Oh, I see. Because, yeah, because, yeah. because just, um, just a few minutes ago, I picked out the rule book and I was I was just double checking. Yeah, this 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 Balin, he's on defense eight, right? So it's definitely him I'm picking. <laughs> but no, but because, actually, yeah, actually, since I picked someone with defense five, that's even better. Um, so my my choice for Balin was, was driven by the fact that... Um, it's quite easy to hide your heroes uh, in, in this one. So it would be quite easy for Tommaso to, to hide someone who they're not going to need very much. And I assume that Balin is one of those guys who might be somewhere around the center lines while someone like a captain might just end up somewhere far away, just pretty much exactly like he placed him on the far right of the, uh, of the board and I would never be able to reach him. So I went for someone who I thought would be more likely to be somewhere centralish, who uh, he might just randomly forget about. Okay, uh, Masa, if you want to explain your choices. Okay, so I, I choose I choose the king's champion because I was th- I was expecting Minkaming to choose the king's champion as the assassin, which means that it's gonna be like on the first line fighting, and uh, so that's why I chose uh, the king's champion. And was, of course, it's. It's relatively fragile. I mean, of course, not that much, but I mean, um, just two wounds, right? The king's champion. Correct. Okay, yeah. And, and then, um, and then I choose the Lady of Light to be the assassin because just because it's the only one hero I want to use on my first line, and it's the only one that take that can take out the the the, the, it's, the, king's it's the only hero you have who's capable of fighting. I mean, actually, I play with. Let's see how many heroes I think eight heroes but it, she's the only one who can yeah. fight <laughs> yeah plus, plus it makes sense that um, you would have Radagast behind Galadriel uh, in order to be um, trying to knock me down and then take me out in combat okay which is, so, which is why Arvidu is right next to the king's champion <laughs> <laughs> Matt hearing, hearing the target and the, uh, the assassin who, who, who are you picking oh boy so I'm on the horns of a dilemma um all right. So first of all, I have to confess to prejudice. Um, when I played 
a game on this board. I was playing dwarves. They were Iron Hills dwarves, not uh, Casa Doom dwarves. I played dwarves against, I think it was Isengard on this uh, map. And um, boy, those choke points just give the dwarves just a huge advantage. Um, and I mean, especially with, I mean, you guys have Hearthguard, um, but you have the ability to kind of plop a banner behind each one of those causeways and just chop your way across. So, yeah, you know, as I heard all of this, I think up until the big reveal, um, I was I was leaning Mixway because you know I just figured that the the dwarves would just kind of chop their way across and eventually get over there and kill what they needed to kill. Uh, I still think they may well do that, but um, I think I think Tommaso's choice of the assassin and the target was genius here, particularly the way it played out. Um, and, and I think Tommaso's got a pretty decent chance of killing the King's champion, um, and perhaps even killing the King's champion with Galadriel. And I think if he does that, how many points does that net you in this scenario? If you, if you kill the target uh, with the seven. assassin, Tim, seven, seven. yeah, and, uh, boy. And that's kind of the game right there. Um, so, and I, I think given this situation that could well happen before i mean because i guess the downside of the restricted area here is that it limits kind of the number of of people that um mick can chop through uh and especially since i think but you know balan's kind of at the back of the board there he's got to chop through a lot of lake town guard to get to him um and you know they're they're gonna end up being fight for with a banner behind them for most of this time so it may take him a little while uh, all right, so I think I'm gonna have to. I think I'm gonna have to throw my vote to Tommaso. Well done on the choice of of assassin and target there. <laughs> so Matt, <laughs> what I want to ask you: um, those two platforms, right? Can you fit two ranks of two in there, or is it just ranks of they're, one? They're two figures wide. Okay, so you can fit two. Okay, so here's here's where I, it gets interesting for me because I thought this was gonna be. I still think this might be a stalemate kind of a, this game just goes on and very few models get killed kind of a scenario because with there only being two entrances here. Yes, he can flank there, but Mick will just kind of hold a wall here for as long as he can. Um, what's interesting, I don't think the King's Champion is as easily defeated as, as someone, because what we have to consider, right, is even though the King's Champion has one will and he's just going to use his... his um, I'm assuming you're using Bomber to give him Radagast will every turn, if that's correct. So you're casting Nature's Wrath on a 5+, plus. so you're going to do that every four single plus, time. 4+. Plus. Is it a 4? Oh, wow. Jesus, I thought it was 5. Um, so you'll be doing that on 4+, plus with two dice every turn. Yes, it'll be difficult, but we also forget the Heralds do have will, so that could help out a little bit. And also, they give him the Fate and the Defense bonus. So depending on who moved first... Um, if those ba banner bearers get into base contact with the King's champion on the ground, he's still defense nine. So he also has five and then he'll have five uh, fate points as well. So, I mean, if you can get, if, if, if things work out well enough with Mick where, where he actually moves second, he can just pick the banner bearers back up, put them in base contact. And now he has a defense nine model on the ground with five fate. And I'm not sure that that's so easy considering that in order for Galadriel to win, she still would have to get, in order to guarantee a win, she'd still have to get a uh, strike and she only has three might. So I think this goes a lot longer than it would normally go. Um, but I think just barely by him getting, 
by Tommaso getting the wounds on Glad or on the king, I think that would get him enough points to just barely squeak it by. But I think this is a lot less killing than people may think it might be. But that that's just uh, Although, I mean, we did not specifically ask Mick, but I strongly suspect that one of the two banners is going to be going someplace else other oh, than by yeah, the King yeah, Champion. I think, I think my biggest mistake... Well, they're in, in three in, inches, in, in so I mean, they wouldn't been, really have to leave him. Um, well, no, but they, they would either need to support the other causeway or they would need to support the flank. Yeah, but if, so, he kept, if, if he put the King's Champion here... No, no, but like, Nick, Nick, Nick's agreeing with me, Tim. I'm agreeing with Matt. <laughs> so All right, well, especially since 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 the causeway only allows like one model well two two models to pass yeah they, have, they effectively allow they effectively yeah, allow two of i breath. can't i can't actually get uh the king's champion in based on her with two banners anyway i think uh what, uh what i should have done at the start was to was to plunk during right next to the king's champion uh i think i basically just deployed too quickly and uh made one of those a common mistakes where you don't really think long term and you plunk your Durin in the next bridge. But if Durin had been right next to the King's Champion, then it becomes a much easier game for me. Okay, so if you're saying you'd split them up, then I'm, I, I, I'm gonna pick I mean, I basically think I'm losing this game. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so, so we'll say Tommaso wins. Um, let us know in the comment section below if you believe Tommaso would win as well, if you think Mick has a fighting chance, or even though he says he, he doesn't necessarily believe so. Um, let us know any lists you'd like for us to review in future episodes, any, uh, any ideas you'd like for us to discuss as well, uh, and, and how you're enjoying these, uh, these meta videos, and if you'd like to see more of those as well. And we look forward to seeing you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.